Chapter Twelve, Part Three of *The Worst Journey in the World*, Volume Two, by Apsley Cherry Garrard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve, The Polar Journey, Returning Parties, Part Three. Seventh of February, nineteen twelve. A very fine day, but heavy going. We are bringing the land in sight. The day have been simply lovely. Did twelve miles. No better luck with our patient, he gets along without a murmur. We have got to help him in and out of the tent, but we have consulted on the matter, and he is determined to go to the last, which we know is not far off, as it is difficult for him to stand, but he is the essence of a brick to keep it up, but we shall have to drag him on the sledge when he can't go any further. 8th of February 1912 Today have been very favourable and fine. We had a good breeze and set sail after lunch. If we get a good day tomorrow, we hope to reach one ton. Mr. Evans have passed a good deal of blood today, which makes things look a lot worse. I have to do nearly everything for him now. 9th of February, 1912 A very fine day and quite warm. Reached the depot at 5.5pm, and we all had a good feed of oatmeal. Oh, what a godsend to get a change of food. We have taken enough food for nine days, which, if we still keep up our present rate of progress, it ought to take us into Hut Point. We cannot take too heavy a load, as there is only the two of us pulling now, and this is our last port of call before we reach Hut Point. But things are not looking any too favourable for us, as our leader is gradually getting lower every day. It is almost impossible for him to get along, and we are still a 120 miles from Hut Point. 10th of February 1912 We did a good march, in very thick weather. Tonight we are camped, and I am sorry to say Mr. Evans is in a very bad state. If this is scurvy, I am sorry for any one it attacks. We shall do our utmost to get him back alive, although he is so ill. He is very cheerful, which is very good, and tries to do anything to help us along. We are thinking the food, now we have got a change, may improve things. I am very pleased to say Crean and myself are in the best of health, which we are thankful for. 11th of February 1912 Today we built a cairn and left all our gear we could do without, as it is impossible for us to drag the load now, and Mr. Evans, we think, is doing well as long as he can keep on his legs. We have had a very bad night all day, and tonight we have a blizz on us, so we had to camp early. Our day's run has been eleven miles. We are now about ninety-nine miles from our base. 12th of February 1912 We did not get away till ten o'clock on account of bad weather, but after we put Mr. Evans on his ski, he went on slowly. It is against our wish to have to send him on a little in advance, but it is best as we shall have to drag him out of this, we are certain. He has fainted on two or three occasions, but after a drop of brandy, he has been able to proceed, but it is very awkward, especially as the temperature is so low. We are afraid of his getting frostbitten. Our progress is very slow, the light is very bad, and it is seldom we see the land. 13th February 1912. We got away in good time, but progress was slow, and Mr. Evans could not go, and we consulted a while and came to the conclusion it would be best to put him on the sledge, otherwise he may not pull through, so we stopped and camped, and decided to drop everything we can possibly do without, so we have only got our sleeping bags, cooker, and what little food and oil we have left. Our load is not much, but Mr. Evans on the sledge makes it pretty heavy work for us both but he says he is comfortable now. This morning he wished us to leave him, but this we could not think of. 
We shall stand by him to the end, one way or other, so we are masters to-day. He has got to do as we wish, and we hope to pull him through. This morning, when we depoted all our gear, I changed my socks and got my foot badly frostbitten, and the only way was to fetch it round. So, although Mr. Evans was so bad, he proposed to stuff it on his stomach to try and get it right again. I did not like to risk such a thing, as he is certainly very weak, but we tried it, and it succeeded in bringing it round, thanks to his thoughtfulness, and I shall never forget the kindness bestowed on me at a critical time in our travels, but I think we could go to any length of trouble to assist one another in such a time and such a place. We must trust in a higher power to pull us through. When we pack up now and have to move off, we have to get everything ready before we attempt to move the tent, as it is impossible for our leader now to stand. Therefore it is necessary to get him ready before we start. We then pull the sledge alongside his bag and lift him on to it and strap him on. It is a painful piece of work, and he takes it pretty well, but we can't help hurting him, as it is very awkward to lift him, the snow being soft and the light so bad, but he don't complain. The only thing we hear him grind his teeth. 14th February 1912 Another good start after the usual preparation. We have not got much to pack, but it takes us some time to get our invalid ready. The surface is very bad and our progress is very slow, but we have proposed to go longer hours and try to cover the distance, that is, if we can stick it ourselves. 15th February 1912 We started in fine weather this morning, but it soon came over thick and progress became slow. We had to continually consult the compass, as we have no wind to assist us, but after a while the sun peeped out and the wind sprang up, and we were able to set sail which helped us put in a good march. 16th February 1912 Today it have been a very heavy drag all day, and the light is very bad, but we had the pleasure of seeing Castle Rock and Observation Hill. We uncovered Mr. Evans to let him have a look, and we have reduced our ration now to one half, as it is impossible for us to reach Hut Point under four days, that is, if everything goes favourable with us. 17th February 1912 Today it has been thick. This morning, soon after we started, we saw what we thought was the dog tent, the two dog teams going out to meet the polar party a thing we had been looking for to try and get relief. But when we came up to it we found it was only a piece of biscuit box stuck on an old camp for a guide. It shows how deceiving the things here are. I can tell you our hopes were raised, but on reaching it they dropped again considerably. We were able to see the land occasionally, and during one of the breaks this afternoon we spotted the motor. Oh, what joy! We again uncovered Mr. Evans to let him have a look, and after trudging along for another three hours, we brought up alongside it and camped for the night. We are now only a little over thirty miles from Hut Point. If we could only see the dogs approaching us, but they, we think, may have passed us while the weather had been thick. Mr. Evans is getting worse every day. We are almost afraid to sleep at night, as he seems very weak. If the temperature goes much lower, it will be a job to keep him warm. We have found some biscuits here at the motor, but nothing else, but that will assist greatly on our way. The slogging have been heavy all day. We are pretty tired tonight. I don't think we have got the go in us we had, but we must try and push on. 18th February 1912 I started to move Mr. Evans this morning, but he completely collapsed and fainted away. Crean was very upset and almost cried, but I told him it was no good to create a scene, but put up a bold front and try to assist. I really think he thought Mr. Evans had gone, 
but we managed to pull him through. We used the last drop of brandy. After a while we got him on the sledge and proceeded as usual, but finding the surface very bad and we were unable to make less than a mile an hour, we stopped and decided to camp. We told Mr. Evans of our plans, which were, Green should proceed, it being a splendid day, on foot to Hut Point to obtain relief if possible. This we had agreed to between ourselves. I offered to do the journey, and Crean remained behind, but Tom said he would much rather I stayed with the invalid and look after him, so I thought it best I should remain, and these plans were agreed to by all of us. So after we had camped the next thing was the food problem. We had about a day's provisions, with extra biscuit taken from the motor, and a little extra oil taken from the same place, so we gave Crean what he thought he could manage to accomplish the journey of thirty miles geographical on, which was a little chocolate and biscuits. We put him up a little drink, but he would not carry it. What a pity we did not have some ski, but we dumped them to save weight. So Crean sailed away in splendid weather for a try to bring relief. I was in a bit of a sweat all day and remained up to watch the weather till long after midnight. I was afraid of the weather, but it kept clear and I thought he might have reached or got within easy distance of Hot Point, but there was the possibility of his dropping down a crevasse, but that we had to leave to chance, but none the more it was anxious moments, as if it comes on to drift the weather is very treacherous in these parts. After Crean left I left Mr. Evans and proceeded to Corner Camp, which was about a mile away to see if there was any provisions left there that would be of use to us. I found a little butter, a little cheese, and a little treacle that had been bought there for the ponies. I also went back to the motor and got a little more oil while the weather was fine. I also got a large piece of Burberry and tied on a long bamboo and stuck up a big flag on our sledge so that anyone could not pass our way without seeing us or our flag. I found a note left at corner camp by Mr. Day saying there was a lot of very bad crevasses between there and the sea ice, especially off White Island. This put me in a bit of a fix, as I, of course, at once thought of Crean. He being on foot was more likely to go down than he would had he been on ski. I did not tell Mr. Evans anything about the crevasses, as I certainly thought it would be best kept from him. I just told him the note was there and all was well. 19th of February 1912 Today Mr. Evans seems a bit better and more cheerful. The rest will do him good and assist in getting a little strength. We have been wondering when relief will reach us, but we cannot expect it for at least a day or two yet at the earliest. It was very thick this morning and also very cold. The temperature is dropping rapidly. Our tent it was all covered in frost rime today, a sure sign of colder weather. It was very thick this morning, but cleared as the day advanced, but we could not see Hut Point. I wonder if poor old Tom reached all right. We have very little food now except biscuit, but oil is better. We have got half a gallon, and if relief don't come for some time we shall be able to have hot water when all the other things are gone. I have thought out a plan for the future in case of no relief coming, but of course we took all the things into consideration in case of failure, but we must hope for the best. Of course I know it is no use thinking of Mr. Evans being able to move any further, as he can't stand at all. The only thing is, we may have missed the dogs. If so, there is still a chance of someone being at Hut Point. I am cold now and cannot write more tonight. We lose the sun at midnight now. If all went well, we should have been home by now. 20th of February 1912 Tuesday, not a nice day. A low drift all the morning and increased to a blizzard at times. 
I've had to remain in the tent all day to try and keep warm. I've not got much food except biscuits. Mr. Evans is about the same, but quite cheerful. We have had the whole journey over and over. It have passed these three days away. We have wondered how they are getting on behind us. We have worked it out, and they ought to be on the barrier now, with anything of luck. We have been not gambling on the condition of the ice and the possibility of the open water at Hut Point at any time now, and also about what news of home, although home is one of the foremost thoughts we hardly ever mention it, only what we are going to have to eat when we do arrive there. I think we have got everything that is good down on our list. Of course New Zealand have got to be answerable for a good deal. Plenty of apples we are going to have, and some nice homemade cake, not too rich, as we think we can eat more. I wonder if the mules will have arrived, as I am to look after them till Captain Oates returns, as Anton will be gone home, or at least going soon. We shall have to hurry up as the ship is to leave again on the 2nd of March, as it is not safe to remain longer in these regions. I am now too cold to write, and I don't seem settled at all, and the weather is still pretty bad outside, so we are not going to look for anything to come along tonight. Hark! from us both. Yes, it is the dogs near. Relief at last. Who's there? I did not stay to think more before I was outside the tent. Yes, sir, it is all right. The doctor and Dimitri. How did you see us? The flag lash, says Dimitri. The doctor, how is Mr. Evans? All right, but low. But this had a good effect on him. After the first few minutes, we got their tent pitched, and the food they bought us and I was soon on the way preparing a meal for us all. But Mr. Evans cannot have pemmican, but the doctor have bought everything that would do him good, some onions to boil and several other things. Dimitri bought along a good lump of cake. We are in clover. Tonight, after the doctor had examined my patient, and we got through a good deal of talk about everything we could think of, especially home news, and the return parties, and the ship, and those in her. We were sorry to hear she had not been able to get very near, and that the mules had arrived, and I don't know what. We now settled down for a good night. It seems to me we are in a new world, a weight is off my mind, and I can once more see a bright spot in the sky for us all. The gloom is now removed. The blizz is bad outside, and Doctor and Dimitri is gone and turned in, so will I once more, but sleep is out of the question. 21st of February 1912 The day have been very bad, and we are obliged to remain until it clears. We are going to move off as soon as it clears. The day have been very cold so we have had to remain in our bags, but things are all right, and we have got plenty to eat now. We have all retired for the night, as the blaze is still raging outside. 22nd of February 1912 The wind went down about 9pm, so we began to move and were ready to kick off at 10, and proposed to do the journey in two stages. It was fearful heavy going for the poor dogs. We arranged so that Mr. Evans was on Dimitri's sledge, and the doctor and myself was on the other. We have done about half the journey, and are now camped for a rest for the dogs and ourselves. We had a stiff sixteen miles, the doctor and myself. We took turns in riding on the sledge and walking and running to keep up to the dogs. Sometimes we sank in up to the knees, but we struggled through it. My legs is the most powerful part of me now, but I am tired and shall be glad when it is over. I must lie down now, as we are starting again soon for Hut Point, but the surface is getting better as we have passed White Island and can see so plainly the land. Castle Rock and good old Erebus look so stately with the smoke rolling out. It is so clear and calm and peaceful. What a change in our surroundings of a few days ago, and also our prospects. Doctor and Dimitri have done everything they could for us. 
22nd of February 1912. We started off after a rest for the dogs and reached here at Hut Point at 1pm where we can rest in peace for a time. Dimitri and Crean are going to Cape Evans. The ship is nowhere in sight. I've had to get some seal meat and ice and prepare a meal. Mr. Evans is all right and asleep. We are looking for mail now. How funny we should always be looking for something else. Now we are safe. End of Lashley's Diary Crean has told me the story of his walk as follows. He started at ten on Sunday morning and the surface was very good, very good surface indeed, and he went about sixteen miles before he stopped. Good clear weather. He had three biscuits and two sticks of chocolate. He stopped about five minutes sitting on the snow and ate two biscuits and the chocolate and put one biscuit back in his pocket. He was quite warm and not sleepy. He carried on just the same and passed safety camp on his right some five hours later and thinks it was about 12.30 on Monday morning that he reached the edge of the barrier, tired, getting cold in the back and the weather coming on thick. It was bright behind him but it was coming over the bluff and White Island was obscured though he could still see Cape Armitage and Castle Rock. He slipped a lot on the sea ice having several falls onto his back and it was getting thicker all the time. At the barrier edge there was a light wind. Now it was blowing a strong wind, drifting and snowing. He made for the gap and could not get up at first. To avoid taking a lot out of himself, he started to go round Cape Armitage, but soon felt slush coming through his finesco he had no crampons, and made for the gap. He climbed up to the left of the gap and climbed along the side of Observation Hill to avoid the slippery ice. When he got to the top it was still clear enough to see vaguely the outline of Hut Point, but he could see no sledges nor dogs. He sat down under the lee of Observation Hill and finished his biscuit with a bit of ice. I was very dry, slid down the side of Observation Hill, and thought at this time there was open water below for he had no goggles on the march and his eyes were strained, but on getting near the ice foot he found it was polished sea ice and made his way round to the hut under the ice foot. When he got close he saw the dogs and sledges on the sea ice, and it was now blowing very hard with drift. He walked in and found the doctor and Dimitri inside. He gave me a tart first, then a feed of porridge, but I couldn't keep it down. That's the first time in my life that ever it happened, and it was the brandy that did it. End of chapter 12, part 3